the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the College Basketball Conference Tournament Betting Preview Part 7. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, on Monday mornings, BJ Cunningham, Mike Calabrese, and Colin Wilson will be joining us later to talk some SEC. We'll talk a little bit about what happened this weekend. Most importantly, we'll get to some of the final conferences that we haven't covered yet if you have not tuned into the previous episodes especially at parts four five and six which will be relevant for this week which i recorded with uh each of the guys from the three-man weave yesterday those are all out now but we will cover the remaining conferences colin as i said is going to talk about sec mike was tasked with the a10 bj was tasked with trying to figure out the puzzle of the big 10 and i'll share some quick thoughts on the the uh the conferences that don't get a lot of pub, the the MIAC, the SWAC, and uh, even even some Ivy Madness, which will start later this week as a four team tournament. It's really sad if you turn on the uh, the TV right now. It's like all you see is like Aaron Rodgers or Daniel Jones or the Knicks. Um, how about spending some time on the MIAC? Anyway, we'll cover the MIAC for the lack of pub that's out there. BJ, I'll start with you. What's going on, brother? Uh, just when you were high on Iowa. <laughs> Oh, I'm still. They, I they don't really. Be, then they lose at home to Nebraska. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, Nebraska shot the lights out. What are you going to do? That just seemingly happens over and over to Iowa. Um, but no, it's. I mean, obviously a crazy weekend in college fast basketball. We had a ton of top teams go down right before the tournament started. So the chaos is about to ensue. We've also had a ton of buzzer beaters already. And I was talking to Mike beforehand. I was like, I hope we haven't used all of them up yet. Uh, and I hope that we don't get to a point in the tournament where it's like, oh, this tournament, we've been talking about it for, I don't know, two, three months now where it's, oh, it's so wide open and everything. And then just we get no buzzer beaters and all the favorites just go to the final four. I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, but I'm a little nervous that like the contrarian play of just being like, yeah, all the number one seeds go to the final four uh, might happen. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, we're, I'm ready for the chaos. Watch your mouth. So this is optimism. It's it's March 6th. It's this pessimism. And you're already saying we're not going to get a bad tournament. Um, I didn't say that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little worried about uh, maybe there isn't as much chaos as we think. Mike, any uh, more optimism from your end or positivity you want to share? Hey, I got positivity. I went ahead and played that 12 to one Chattanooga future and Jake Stevens showed up out of nowhere coming back from broken hands. That was one of those rare moments. I've been on the other side of this so many times in college basketball. You never really have any sure things in terms of injuries, suspensions, all this stuff. It's, it's almost exclusively kind of like hearsay. Um, but he ends up talking it up the whole week that he's practicing again. he's going to do it. I ended up playing them in their first game in that tournament. And now they're here in the title game. So as I brought up before, this is what's fun about playing these mid-major conferences. You can take a shot on a team 10, 15, 20 to 1. And if they make it to the final, it's a license to print money by hedging. So they're up against Furman. I'm going to take a, a part of that out and, you know, realize some some winnings there. 
Um, but yeah, that made me really happy. And it also balanced out my Friday night having New Mexico against Colorado State. And I threw this out on Twitter. Just like the shooting variance bullshit in college basketball is infuriating. I want to say Colorado State banked in two threes in the second half. And just if it existed in any other sport, I think it would be even more laughable. Like the analogy I, I pulled was in golf. If like some random golfer just made like eight or nine, 10 to 15 footers in one tournament, but the reaction would be like, well, that's golf. Well, that's, that's college Jordan basketball. Spieth Sometimes right there, he's going to shoot 60% from three. You start with some positivity and that devolved quickly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I have Furman. Tonight's going to be exciting for me because I have South Alabama and Furman futures going at the same time. I did hedge off a little bit of both because I'm petrified of Steve. I tried to middle Furman for a little bit because you're catching six or seven. Um, and, yeah, Chattanooga is dangerous with Stevens. I thought Furman was going to blow it yesterday. Um, yeah, what games yesterday? You didn't, you know – NAU taking out the top seed late night on a buzzer beater. Um, it was amazing. You want to talk about a bad a bad tournament. You guys are trying to talk about this tournament, or BJ. Ten years ago, this is the 10-year anniversary of the final edition of the Great West Tournament. The Great West Conference, for those who do not remember, was in uh, – the, the tournament was in – it was disbanded. It was in Chicago. All five teams – there's only five teams left. All five teams made the conference tournament. The top three got a bye, and the winner did not get an automatic bid. That was the worst <laughs> tournament ever. <laughs> um, what yeah, what a, what, a, what a tournament. No automatic bid. Anyway, we're going to talk some conferences that do have automatic bids. Uh, let's start with the Atlantic 10 puzzle. And I call it a puzzle because myself, anyone that I respect – that I asked about the eight then and like your guest is as good as mine. So hopefully Mike, you have a beat on this. Uh, looking at the tournament, this will, this conference tournament will take place in Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays center. All 15 teams make it my, oh my, how Loyola Chicago has fallen. They are the 15 seed in the eight ten tournament. VCU is the top overall seed the tournament will start on Tuesday. With first round, three first round matchups. We have, Five other teams get buys into the second round, and then your top four seeds get buys into the quarterfinals. That's VCU and St. Louis on the top half of the bracket, Dayton and Fordham on the bottom half of the bracket. Dayton is the two seed and is actually the favorite to win the A-10. I would assume part of that is because, you know, they're going to play the winner of GW and then St. Joe's or Loyola. Whereas, you know, you could have some trickier matchups for Fordham, St. Louis, and VCU. Um, and some would argue Dayton's the best team. They're really hard to figure out. Um, so let's just, let's start in the first, the teams that are playing in the first round. Richmond, UMass, St. Joe's, Loyola, Chicago, LaSalle, Rhode Island. Because in a, in a tournament that, in a conference, it's just been so wide open and so hard to figure out could have some fun and take a long shot or any of those teams that are playing in the first round. Now, look, it would require them winning five games in six days. You do get an off day on Friday <clears throat> or any of those teams, your beloved Hawks who are playing better. Are they worth a look, uh, any of those teams worth looking at? No, <laughs> I, I'll just go ahead and, and rule these teams out. And beyond just where they finished in the A-10, I like to look at, 
sometimes, you know, teams are getting healthier or they start to play well at the end of the season or they play well on the road, you know, vis-a-vis their overall record. None of those teams check those boxes. So when you look at these six teams and you look at their how they finish the season, Richmond one and four straight up, UMass two and seven, St. Joe's one and four, LaSalle lost their last five, Rhode Island lost eight of their last nine and Loyola lost four of their last five. So none of them are coming in with any momentum to turn it around. They all have major issues, mainly on the defensive side. Um, So I I just don't see them putting it together. And historically in this tournament, it's very rare for teams to even make it to the title game, having to win four games in four days, let alone five games in five days. So with the exception of, you know, Richmond last year, for the most part, this is a pretty chalky tournament in terms of who punches their ticket for the automatic bid. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw these six teams out just right off the bat. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with that. Now, the one caveat I I should note is that in the past – this conference has been a lot better. This might be the worst A-10 ever. This is the first time there's no automatic – I mean, there's no um, – what's the word I'm looking for? I, I uh, There's no team. potential at-large candidate, yeah. not one, uh, for the first time ever since the field expanded to 64 teams. If you were just going to fire a dart from the first round, the only case that I could make would be for St. Joe's just because they are playing better. And then that second-round matchup, against GW that's the easiest by, by far and then you know Dayton is just so erratic you never know which Dayton you're going to get but I, I would agree I think you have to throw all those out so then moving on to the teams that start in the second round you have Davidson Bonaventure in the 8-9 game George Mason the five seed interesting team because they're super talented but I mean, they just melt. They can't shoot free throws they melt away games like it's their job then I mentioned GW the seven seed Duquesne, the sixth seed, any of the teams that start in the second round, that five through nine, any of those worth exploring? Yeah, now it's time to start, you know, picking up some teams here because with how weak the conference is top to bottom, I think there's a good shot for one of these teams to make a run and win two games. And when you look at some of the odds attached to these teams, I'm going to go ahead and focus on George Washington, 65 to one. And in the opposite direction of those teams that I ruled out right at the top, they finished four and one straight up down the stretch. And they were within three of VCU in the closing minute as their only loss there. Then do they have a player that can take over? They have the leading scorer in the A-10 in conference play, James Bishop, the fourth. He has the potential to take over. He averaged over 22 points per game, best in the A-10 on 44.5% shooting from long range. And then as a team, they bring plenty to the table offensively. They finished 42nd nationally in shooting efficiency. And this is another element that I really like to be able to win this many games in a short period of time as an underdog, you got to win in close games. And they won their last six in games decided by five points or less or games that went to OT. So I view that as a huge positive and my threshold for it. You know, I I jotted down some numbers before I even looked at what the, the futures market said. I was thinking, you know, if I could get 50 to one, so 65 to one, I think it's worth a shot. I think they match up well with St. Joe's. It'll be a high scoring game probably played in, upper 70s, 80s. Um, And at that point, then you're in, you know, you you have a shot to take out one of the big boys. And at that point, it's 65 to one. It's a great hedge opportunity. So I like the Colonials. Yeah, you mentioned that they've been good in close games. They went 4-0 in overtime games since January 25th in league play. Part of that is because they're good at the line, right? And that can matter in these games as well. Whereas George Mason loses a ton of close games, blows a lot of leads. Now, look, they won six straight to close the season 
but they're 350th in the country in free throw percentage at 65%. I mean, they're actually below 65% on the year. I mean, that is, that is just sad, but Josh Adore is super talented. Uh, they lost Victor Bailey, which matters. So uh, it's hard for me to make a case for them making a run, especially, you know, they're, they're down 25, they're at like 25 to one. I think I would need just a touch more. Would you agree on Mason? Yeah, I, I would need more from George Mason. Um, I agree with your assessment. I think they're a very good team in terms of overall talent level. But I like at this point, the resume is complete in terms of how they play in close games. And for that yep. reason, you have to figure at least one or two of their wins on the way to a conference title here would be a close game. So I, it's just not enough for me to buy in. Yeah. All right. So now moving on to the top four seeds. VCU is the top overall seed. They are in the top half of the bracket with St. Louis, the four seed. If chalk holds, VCU would face St. Louis in the semifinals on Saturday. On the bottom half of the bracket, you have Dayton, who is the favorite of plus 140, and then Fordham. So, and then if the chalk holds, those teams would also face each other in the semis. So when you look at these odds, the first thing that jumps out to me is, okay, you have the top four seeds who are all, all have buys to the quarterfinals. They just have to win three games in four days off day Friday. And you have Fordham, who is the outlier here. I mean, you have Dayton plus 140, VCU plus 200, St. Louis plus 500, and then Fordham 12 to 1. So, you know, one of the things that you have to take into account is Ed Fordham is probably going to play Duquesne in their first game where they just waxed by 30. Um, and then they beat them on the road earlier this year, which bodes well. But in two matchups with uh, – they played Dayton once or twice. I think they played, only played Dayton once at home, and yeah, they, they got, got smoked. They got leveled, and Dayton did whatever they wanted at the rim. I think they were they shot 76% from two in that game. But it's Dayton. So is – and look, Fordham has Quisenberry, Darius Quisenberry, who's capable of just going off and carrying a team for a game or two. They play – you know, the Fordham plays really good defense. Um is are they mispriced? Are they worth a flyer at twelve to one, having to just win three games, or does you just you don't like that matchup against Dayton too much? I think they're mispriced uh, pretty considerably, to be honest. I once again I, I jotted this down. I was like, you know, plus seven fifty, plus eight to one. I'd consider it twelve to one. Absolutely, sign me up. They're twenty fifth in defensive efficiency. They finished the season, you know, eleven and three in their last fourteen games. You mentioned Quisenberry, Khalid Moore as well. So it's a solid inside-outside duo. They average, you know, close to 33 points per game between the two of them. The I think the obvious issue other than the Dayton matchup is that Keith Ergo has never been a head coach until this season. So it's basically this black box in terms of what is he going to be like in conference tournament play. Now, you could argue, you know, there's coaches in this tournament, like Anthony Grant has never really been a very good tournament coach. He's been he's only won more than one game one or sorry, he's never won more than one game in the A-10 tournament. So like that, that's a, a Dayton team that was already potentially up and down and you know would they be able to put together three good games in a row i i, I don't know I, at this price i would say i'm not interested in it um but yeah fordham in general i think 12 to 1 is absolutely worth it and then when you look at the rest of the board vcu i have a lot of nice things to say and then one major concern defensively obviously they're great they're top 25 and ken palm defensive efficiency they attack the rim nonstop. they get almost 23 foul shots per game they don't rely on three at all they lead the A-10 in forced turnovers at 17 per game, which is seventh nationally. But they're bad from the line, 229th as a team. 
in that matchup, they're probably going to get Davidson in the in their first game, and they nearly lost to Davidson on the road, and they lost straight up to St. Bonnie's at home. So either way, whoever they get there, it's not a cakewalk in their first game. But my biggest concern is Ace Baldwin. He's in a major shooting funk, which is not the right time for him to be doing that because he's you know the the bell cow for them offensively. Seventeen for fifty six in his last six games, and there was multiple games that he went over ten and over nine. They can't have that to be able to put it together on the offensive end. Dayton, you know, we talked about some of their deficiencies in terms of consistency, but they get the best big in this tournament. Holmes, the second, is phenomenal. He averages 18 and 8 on 60% shooting. They can really shoot as a team. They're 32nd in shooting percentage. They're very strong on defense, fifth in opponent um, effective shooting percentage. And they never send teams to the line, which is something that can be this great equalizer in tournament play where you have those high variance games. You know, sometimes you don't shoot well from three, but you get to the line. They just don't do that. But like I said, my concerns about Anthony Grant at this point in his career, I understand that that COVID year, he probably would have won the A-10 going away, but he's never won more than one game in this tournament. So that leaves me with St. Louis at five to one. That was exactly what I circled them as, you know, before I looked at this. So it's going to be a pass for me, but when you look at what they've done and their head coach's experience in tournament play, so Travis Ford's nine and four straight up in the A-10 tournament. That's a major plus. They nearly upset Auburn. They did upset Providence and Memphis. So their high end is way up there. Their path will likely take them to VCU, who they beat, uh, who beat them soundly twice. That's the biggest issue for me. On the offensive end, Yuri Collins is one of the best facilitators in college hoops. He averages a double-double with assists every night. Um, they're a solid defensive rebounding team, but at five to one, it's not for me. So of the four pack at the top, I'm probably going to go with Dayton and Fordham, but probably a bigger play on Fordham because I think this number is just really off. Yeah, I completely agree with your assessment. I think that if you're going to take a shot in the eight, which I can't figure out at the, at the current price, I think you have to look at Fordham with their defense, a guard that can carry them. My concern would be, look, they don't match up well with Dayton, they really don't match up well with VCU either because they 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 can they will turn the ball over. And when they played VCU, I think they had like a 32 or 31% turnover rate. So they'll cough it up, which is not great against VCU's pressure. But I expect just chaos in this bracket overall. So like it's not necessarily a given that even Dayton will be in the semis or VCU will be in the championship. So why not take, you know, I don't and I agree with you. I don't think it's worth going into the the dregs here for a super long shot, but why not roll with Fordham in the, it would, it would just be fitting in this crazy a 10 year that Fordham gets the only bid and makes the tournament for the first time since 1992, I think go Rams. Shut up. Nick Costas. Uh, anything you want to mention for a first round matchup or anything from a betting perspective, going to game by game basis. Yeah, it's going to depend on the number, but as long as St. Joe's is less than a five-point favorite against Loyola, I mean, they they smacked them around uh, in their two meetings this year. And the, the key is that the Ramblers play slow, so can you get them out of their comfort zone? St. Joe's did that twice. They scored in the 80s twice against them. And then the Ramblers do want to play slow, but then their defense is horrific. They're 294th in opponent effective field goal percentage. They get killed on the glass. They're in the high 200s in every metric. They have the worst turnover margin in the A-10 at negative 5.1 per game. That's just incredibly bad. So lots of extra opportunities for their opponents. Like I said, St. Joe's won by 31 at home, 12 on the road. 
Um, and then finally, Eric Eric Reynolds has really blown up down the stretch. He's averaged 23 per game in his last 10, scored 33 points back-to-back, including that runaway win against Richmond at home. So I think St. Joe's of the dregs is playing the best, potentially, but at least their high end on offense uh, presents the, the best opportunity to, to go ahead and, and book them on a bet here. I'll go ahead and take St. Joe's up to minus five. All right, well, you're undefeated on on the podcast. Want to know, giving out your Hawks. So let's see if you can, it's number dependent. Let's see if you can make it to a no. All right. Good stuff there, Mike. Let's move on to the big 10. This is a, a puzzle. If you look at the, if you just look at this bracket and you say, okay, I mean, there's so many teams that you could make a case for making a run. I mean, how even was it all year and how much did home teams dominate? Well, it's not going to be on anyone's home court. It even came down to the last game where the scoreboard was smoking in at Rutgers at the rack. And if Northwestern lost that game, they would have been a nine seed. They won it. So they're a two seed insane. The seeding I uh, was came down to the final day in the final game with a seven seed difference. I don't think I've ever seen that in my entire life. Big 10 tournament obviously starts on Wednesday in, in Chicago at the United center. It'll go to till Sunday with the championship. So the teams that are starting in the first round, Wisconsin, my beloved Buckeyes, Nebraska is playing really well despite in- injuries. You got to give Fred Oyberg a ton of credit. And Minnesota has played a little better of late. Those teams would have to win five games in five days. The teams playing on the that start on the second day, Iowa fell to the five seed. Then Michigan and Rutgers will play in the eight nine. You could argue, I I don't know if Rutgers is safely in anymore. You could argue that's like a. You, whoever loses that game is out. I think if Michigan loses, they're definitely out. And then because if you win that game, then you get to play Purdue. And so I don't know. But that's that. Then you have on the bottom half Illinois, Penn State, Maryland, and then your top four seeds who receive double buys into the quarters on Friday. You have Purdue and Michigan State in the top half of the bracket, Northwestern and Indiana on the bottom half of the bracket. When this bracket came out, a lot of people said, "Look, this the draw really broke well for Indiana because you're going to get the winner of Maryland." versus Nebraska or Minnesota. And then they had Northwestern as the two seed. Maryland obviously has not been good away from home, but, uh, you know, Indiana hasn't – no one in this conference really has been great away from home. So, BJ, break it down for us. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to just start high level? Do you want to start with the the, lower, the lowest seeds, the top half? Tell me how you want to – you go here. Well, the first thing with the lowest seeds, I think, is uh, I don't think either – of them have any of those four that you mentioned have a chance of winning five games in five days. If you look historically through the Big Ten tournament, uh, the highest seed ever to win the Big Ten tournament was an eight seed. It was Michigan in 2017, dating all the way back to 1998. So I don't think any of those teams really have a shot. And Ohio State, I mean, they needed to prove it against Michigan State on Saturday, and they didn't. So um, they're pretty much out for me. They covered. They covered. They did cover. Uh, That's all that matters. And we will be betting them again against Wisconsin. And yeah, by the way, I agree with you. But don't doubt me. My Buckeyes are winning uh, <laughs> yeah, the I next mean, eleven games. But if you're going to do that, they're they're fifty five to one. Wisconsin's fifty five to one. Nebraska's two fifty. Uh, Minnesota's like you, thousand. You, you win. <laughs> you win the GDP of the U.S. if they win. Yeah. Um, they're down there. But and then Purdue's the favorite plus one forty. Indiana plus five fifty. Maryland right around there. Michigan State right around there. And then you have the second tier at Northwestern plus eight fifty, Illinois eleven to one, Iowa twenty two to one, Michigan twenty five to one, Penn State twenty five to one. Shop around, but that's kind of how the future odds looks. But I will say, Wisconsin Ohio State that game should be around a pick, and the odds are fifty to one. 
I will tell you, they got to win five games in five days. You know their first three opponents, each other, then Iowa, then Michigan State, then most likely Purdue, and then, you know, Indiana, Northwestern teams that are power rated similarly. That's five games that they win in five days. If you money line parlay them or just look at the implied odds, it's about 150 to one. So there is zero value in 50 to one. If you do like Ohio State, if you like Wisconsin, if you like Nebraska, if you like Minnesota, bet them on the money line in the first game. And well, especially Wisconsin, Ohio State, and then roll it over. There is no value in 50 to one in winning five games in five yeah. days, especially because you know there are opponents like the first three and like they're, they're going to play tournament teams all the way through. It's not like you could also have, you know, a crazy team come out of nowhere and you get to play them in the semis. So anyway, I digress. Uh, so let's move on to kind of the mid tier. So we're, we're crossing off 11, 12, 13, and 14 that are playing on the first round. Teams in the second round, Michigan Rutgers will play each other. Winner gets Purdue. So if you have a strong feel on who wins that game, that might be an interesting way to attack this. Then you have Iowa, the five seed, the defending champs. They will get the winner of Wisconsin-Ohio State. And if they win that, they play Michigan State. Down in the bottom half, the teams that start on day two, Illinois-Penn State. Heard a lot of people talk about Illinois as a potential sleeper here. The problem is they couldn't beat Penn State during the regular season. They lost twice. They couldn't stop Jalen Pickett. And then you have Maryland away from home, Maryland. Can you really trust them to win four games away from home? So of these teams searching, looking at just five through 10, what do you see? I mean, I first have to go with my Hawks, obviously, at, at 22 to one. I think what you've seen from Iowa this season. This is, is what, I'm going to rename this podcast the Hawks podcast. <laughs> just St. Joe's and Iowa coverage. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Iowa is you've seen it down the stretch here is their ceiling is incredibly high. And obviously they're very three-point variance type team, but even going to Bloomington, and putting up 90 points and shooting 13 of 23 from beyond the arc. Like that was an incredibly good performance. Yes. They did just lose a home to Nebraska. So they played themselves out of the way of a double buy. So they'll likely get the winner. like you mentioned of Ohio state, or they will get the winner of, of Ohio state or Wisconsin, but you know, they lost to Wisconsin twice this year. One of them was on December 11th uh, in overtime at home. And they went to Wisconsin and had one of their worst shooting performances of the entire season. But the Iowa offense is is very, very good. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. They're eighth in turnover percentage allowed nationally. They're second in the Big Ten in offensive rebounding percentage. And they get to the free throw line at a decently high rate. So it's not like Iowa's just this completely three-point dependent team where if they go in, it's great. If not, then it's, you know, it's going to go bad. But the flip side of it is, is their defense is really bad, right? They're they're dead last in the Big Ten in both two-point and three-point field goal percentage allowed. But if you look at their shot quality numbers, I mean, they're allowing 40% from behind the arc in Big Ten in Big Ten play. If you look at shot quality, they should be allowing around 34%. And, you know, mid-range and post-up jumpers, they should be allowing 11.5% less from the field there. The Iowa defense is top three in the Big Ten at turning opponents over. They're an above-average defensive rebounding team. They're 15th in the country in free throw rate allowed. So if teams just don't get outrageously hot against them, like you saw against Nebraska in that final game, suddenly Iowa becomes a very attractive team in this type of tournament. And listen, they won the tournament as a five seed last year. So it's not like they're not capable of, of winning four games in four days. They just did it last year. So they played Purdue pretty well on the other. They're going to obviously be on the side against Purdue. And the Michigan State game will probably be a pretty insane one as well, because if you remember, they they had a chance to win at East Lansing and they blew it towards the end. And then obviously they had the insane comeback against them at Carver Hawkeye arena. But for a team that has great metrics outside of just, you know, shooting numbers at 22 to one, 
I think is a fantastic price for my Hawkeyes uh, to win to win the Big Ten tournament. So from that middle tier, I like Iowa. I don't hate a, a shout on Michigan. I, I like them their matchup against Michigan in the first round a lot, a lot. But you mean, you know, mean against against Rutgers? Yeah, against my Rutgers. Excuse me, but you know, especially at twenty five to one, a team that just played three overtime games to end the stretch. Uh, it's a team that's very, very good defensively as well. They're number one in the Big Ten in effective field goal percentage allowed. They obviously have a ton of size down low with Hunter Dickerson, Hunter Dickinson, and they've had a lot of late game variants go against them. So uh, at the middle tier, I don't hate a shot on Michigan at twenty five to one and Iowa twenty two to one. Yeah, that's that's tough. The three overtime games in a row to end the season, then they're gonna have to win four in four days. I, I do think Iowa matches up pretty well with Michigan State. If you recall both those games, like they couldn't make a, a wide open three or free throw in that first game against Michigan State. And then Michigan State, you know, Iowa eventually obviously got lucky in the, in the final minute. But Michigan State was like 12 of 15 from three in that game before then. So I actually think they match up pretty well. My one concern with Iowa is like, do you, do you think that they're like, are they, that they're not the deepest team. Um, but like, do you think that sometimes they look they look tired down the stretch? Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Murray in particular, I don't. Is he like fully healthy? I mean, he's not ten of his past forty from three. One part of me says okay that they've they've actually are due for some positive shooting regression overall. The other says like are they are they a little bit tired or fatigued? Do you see any of that watching this team closely? I mean, yes, you could definitely make a case for that. I mean, they're 249th in bench minutes, and uh, they've been without Sante Brown, who's one of their uh, bench guys. Uh, you know, he doesn't play a decent percentage, but again, again, it's it's big when you're only playing, you know, a six or seven man rotation. Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's it's obviously been very emotional uh, down the stretch here, winning that overtime game against Michigan State, and then winning in Bloomington. And it's just, you know, it was a big time letdown spot against Nebraska. So, yeah, four games in four days is tough, but. You know, that's also why they're 22 to one. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I think this team is very, very capable of of getting that positive shooting regression and making a run here in this tournament. Yeah. And like you, there's not one team where you say, oh, well, they're good on their own. It's like, yeah, I mean, every this whole this tournament's is... wide open. Like it, it, yeah. <laughs> nobody would like you mentioned off the top, like nobody would really completely. Sh- I mean, like Minnesota would obviously shock me, but like there's no team in this like tournament where I'd be like they win it. And it's like, oh, yeah, like. Of course we saw that coming, right? Yeah. All right, but then moving on to the top four seeds, you have Purdue in the top half. The Then you have Michigan State. We already talked about them, and you like Iowa as a shot. We like that matchup, Iowa against Michigan State. Then you have Northwestern, who's plus 850. Michigan State's plus 600. Purdue's plus 140. And then you have Indiana, eh, who's sitting at plus 550. Given how wide open this league is, I don't know if it's necessarily the right approach to take any of those four teams. You know, maybe you could make a case that like Northwestern just isn't getting enough respect because they have the double buy and they're plus 850. And they just have to win three games. What are your thoughts on uh, the – well, before I ask you that, I mean, I could just tell you real quick, when I – like just power ratings-wise, I have Purdue – at like 35%. So there is zero value in plus 140. I'll tell you that. But any thoughts on the top four seeds? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I'm going to be playing any of these top four seeds. I mean, like, I I obviously love our Indiana ticket at 50 to one. I think they're still fine. But 
like there's no way I'm gonna play them at five to one, especially even if their bracket sets up, even if their side of the bracket sets up pretty easily. There's just there's just no value in that. Same thing with Northwestern. Like I agree with you, you could make a case. I was kind of looking at that and I was like, Northwestern nine to one, and they're on the easier side of the bracket, uh, maybe. Uh, but if you look at their shot quality numbers, I mean, their defenses do for a ton of negative regression shooting wise. So if one of these teams gets hot against them, it's like, can their offense compete with that? I mean, they're outside the top 100 in Ken Palm and adjusted offensive efficiency. And even like just purely looking at adjusted uh, efficiency difference. I mean, Northwestern's 43rd in the country. And then you have one, two, three, four, five teams behind them in the big 10 that are ahead of them in that category. So uh, yeah, it's so the price is probably okay on Northwestern. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think playing any of these top four seeds is the right call and just taking a shot on one of these for whatever team you kind of like in that middle range, I think is the way to play uh, the big 10 tournament. Yeah. The bottom half is really interesting. Cause like Penn state's, I think seven and they've beat every single team in yeah. their bottom half of the bracket. They are they weird, a really tough matchup with their, their metrics are so weird. Uh, They're dead last in the country in offensive rebounding percentage and free throw rate. And they are just incredibly reliant on jump shooting. So if they go yeah. cold, yeah, they're they're out of the tournament essentially, but they're very good at that. Like they're a very good three point shooting team. They don't turn the ball over, but again, it's like they're just entirely reliant on shooting the ball from the floor, which can be a deterrent or it can be good. It can go either way. So they're a very weird and interesting team to try to figure out, uh, especially in this tournament. Yeah, I mean Jalen Pickett can certainly carry them in a tournament setting, but I mean I kind of like I don't know, I don't know who's going to win that game, which. Uh, so I'm so conflicted on it, but uh, you know, given the price differential, you have Penn State is at 25 to one, and Illinois is at 11 to one. So I would, if I'm going to side with someone down there, yep. it would be if you have a strong feeling, or if you just want to go from a price perspective, I would look at Penn State, really old veteran team as well. And then, you know, the reason the case that I can make for Northwestern is they have the double buy and they actually swept Indiana. That's their most likely opponent. Like I, so, but I don't know if they get by Illinois or Penn state, their most likely opponent will be Indiana. They swept Indiana. Northwestern has really quick, like Bo Bowie, he, everything off the dribble. He initiates everything off the dribble. Indiana doesn't really think like their weakness is their perimeter defense. They don't have guards who can like stay in front of him and Northwestern's defense. They build it all to stop the post which is great in the Big Ten. Now, I think they're going to be in trouble once they get to the tournament. And this happens to a lot of Big Ten teams that are, you know, you you, you play a lot of post-heavy. You see a lot of post-heavy teams in the Big Ten. And then those teams that get into the tournament where it's more about guards, then, you know, there's there's some struggles there. So they, they're going to run into some teams that have guards that can give their guards issues and then can stay in front of Bo Bowie and company. But it's not the worst matchup. You're getting a much better price on Northwestern. I just think overall... It's th- this puzzle's too hard for me to crack. So I'm going to stay away. I'll root for your Hawkeye future and I will be betting. Well, maybe not. Only if Iowa beats Ohio State. I'll be betting Ohio State or if you know, Wisconsin beats Ohio State. We were on a mission to just keep betting Ohio State till they don't cover. Uh, Mike, do you have any thoughts on the big time? I actually like Northwestern. Um, I agree with kind of your breakdown where it's like if they can get by that first game, whether it's Illinois or Penn State, they obviously match up well with, with Indiana. And in general, I just as kind of a principle this year, at least in terms of my portfolio and backing more of these defensive teams to try to put it together, you know, to the, the idea from college football as well, where it's like defense travels. We'll see if that's true, but I think there is a little bit of value on them at this number. Overall, I think it does make sense to balance out your portfolio with a longer shot, whoever you want in that kind of middle tier who are, you know, they have one extra round of games to play, but overall, 
I don't hate the Iowa play either, just because of what they can do offensively when things start clicking for them. Yeah, North. I mean, we talk about all the home court, the crazy home court advantage in the Big Ten. The one case you can make is Northwestern doesn't really have a great home court advantage. So, like the team that would be hurt the least from playing on a neutral court, right, or that doesn't get the, as big of a boost at home would be Northwestern. Even though this game is in the uh, tournaments in Chicago, you're, like if Northwestern plays Indiana, there's going to be a shit ton more Indiana fans despite the proximity. All right, good stuff there, BJ. Before we get to Colin, and I'll share some thoughts before we close on the other three conferences. Tonight, any looks for tonight? I'll, I'll start. I think Idaho State, I like Towson catching six. That line has come down. Um, Idaho State plus five and a half. I think they're playing really good basketball. They got they had some bad three-point variance against Montana. I don't think those these two teams are that far apart. I think that's a good bet. Uh, Mike, did you have anything for tonight? I mean, I basically said that Towson was going to give Charleston trouble if they got him. They're drawing them. They're about plus 180 on the money line. Their offense was just on fire in the last game. I haven't been a believer in Charleston all year, so this is put up or shut up time. I'm going to take the Tigers. I think Timberlake will have another big game, and they'll do what they always do, which is they'll crash the glass, and then it's just fingers crossed that Charleston doesn't bury 15 or 16 threes because they're going to take at least 30 in this game. Um, So that's my play. Yeah, love it. That game should be awesome, though. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, BJ, anything for tonight? Uh, How about BYU plus seven against St. Mary's in the WCC tournament? I mean, they played them really tough in both meetings. If you recall, St. Mary's needed a late jumper to beat them at the buzzer uh, in Provo. It's a BYU team that's, you know, they're on their third game in in three days here. But, you know, they're a very good rebounding team, uh, which can neutralize one of the biggest advantages of St. Mary's offense. And, you know, like we talk about in these tournaments, a lot of rim familiarity uh, playing the first two games. So, could see St. Mary's come out on a little bit of a uh, a little rusty. Uh, So I like BYU, who's played them close in both games at plus seven. Like that as well. All right, as we wait for Colin to join, I'll say, let's see, let's go a little, let's pull up the MIAC. Let's start with some MIAC. I got to pull up the odds. All right, me and the MIAC, which this will be played in Norfolk, but not at Norfolk's gym, I believe. It's like at a at Swope Arena. And uh, this starts on Wednesday. Eight-team bracket. Howard is the one seed. Just a basic eight-team bracket. NC Central's the two seed. Norfolk State is the three seed on the bottom half. Odds, NC Central's actually the favorite, plus 150. Norfolk State's plus 260. Howard is plus 330, even though they're the one seed. So really interesting odds in that Howard is on top half of the bracket as the one seed. Norfolk State and NC Central are the two three seeds. They have the best odds, even though they'd have to presumably play each other in the semifinals. You could argue that Howard has value just on that alone, but I would not think Howard – look, the way that Howard plays, and look, they have like a Maryland transfer, a Penn transfer, the talented team that can shoot the three. They It's a helter-skelter. Like basically this conference is a bunch of helter-skelter teams. And then you have Norfolk State who runs like this funky zone, uh, extends pressure, and they really make you work on the defensive end. Or when you're on offense, they're a really experienced team. They won this conference last year. The problem is they struggled down the stretch. They got – blown out they lost it against nc central in overtime but their best player didn't play suspended they got blown out at howard in a smack it was a really good spot i was shocked they got blown out and then they lost to at home to coppin state 
Coppin State, Sam Sessoms, if everyone remembers from Penn State's on that team. They have some talent, but they're really erratic. A lot of these teams are really erratic. They'll turn it over. They're forced turnovers. But just in the tournament setting in Norfolk, by the way, I trust this Norfolk team. Bryant was dealing with an ankle injury down the stretch. He's their best player by far. That is my main concern. But if he's somewhat healthy, I think that there's value. They match up well with NC Central, and I would love to get a third matchup with Howard. That that This veteran team will be ready for it. And I think that their style is just more conducive to this tournament, especially in Norfolk. So I'm going to go with Norfolk State, who I think you're getting at value because of the way that they stumbled down the stretch. I don't think that they should have higher odds than NC Central. So I think you can maybe find three to one out there. I think that is the way to go. And I think we will see them dancing again. That's assuming Brian is healthy. He's like their closer, their lead guard. Um, So it is something to watch and it's somewhat of a concern, but I, I do still think that there's value. Ivy Madness. Should we pull up the Ivy Madness? While you're pulling that up, I will definitely go Coppin State 60 to 1. Just because they they played well. They beat Norfolk the last time they played. I love Sam Sessoms. I agree. They're like the variance on these teams, like they could get blown up by 30 points. They could also win this game and another. So the fact it's only an eight-team tournament, and I like their first round matchup to get to the semis, 60 to 1 caught my attention. I, I love the backcourt for the Eagles. Yeah, me, the BX's weird. I don't want to take a shot, and we'll, we'll talk about the SWAC. It's the same thing. Just do it. Ivy Madness, top four teams make it. Um, it'll be played in Princeton. Starts Saturday with both semifinals games, championship Sunday. I think that's always at noon on ESPN2. Uh, Yale Cornell. Yale will play Cornell, and then Princeton will play Penn. I'm rolling with Penn. I don't There's no. I don't think there's any odds out anywhere yet, but um, they, they should be – you know, there's none of these teams are way better than the rest. I think Yale will probably be the favorite because they have the you know easiest path because they get to play Cornell, who's, who's still pretty good. They're similarly rated to, to Penn and Princeton, and Yale's Yale's the highest rated team. But I love that Penn just blew this. You know, they got swept by Princeton, but they had that game in their last regular season game. They had that game in control and they blew it bad. But I like the way that they match up with them. I'm riding with Jordan Dingle. I think he's going dancing. Be price dependent, but I'm rolling with Penn here. If you want to bet Ivy Madness with me, yeah. Anything you you follow the Ivy at all, Mike? You have anything to add there? I do. I, I I love Princeton. I've been riding with them for most of this season. Awoma in general, I think, is just one of the more underrated mid-major bigs. But it's hard for me to go against Jordan Dingle because if he does play and live up to his you know his talent level and cut down on his turnovers. There's no reason why they can't win, you know, these two games. So if you're going to take it something with a little bit of added value, I agree that whatever the, the futures odds come out, uh, no one's going to be a super long shot to win this thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to say anything bad against Dingle, but I will say from a college fantasy sports perspective, I've watched him for years now and he does struggle with turnover. So if he has one of those games where, you know, he's putting the ball in the basket, but he turns it over six or seven times, that's kind of problematic for the Quakers. Yeah, I mean, well, he has to. He takes like so. There, there are times where he tries to do a little bit too much because he has to do everything pretty much for that team. He takes like every shot, and yeah, if you have, if you've never watched him before, he is worth watching. And they would have won nine in a row to close the year if they didn't blow somehow blow that game against Princeton and lose in overtime. They've just played in that gym um, to close the year, but I think they get their revenge 
on Saturday. And you'll probably get a good price because this is in Princeton, so there'll be an underdog in that game. So they might actually be the – that they'll be the third longest odds. All right, one other tournament that I want to talk about is the SWAC. SWAC-tion. Can we get serious now? Alcorn State is the one seed. The two seed is Grambling. Grambling is the favorite because they'll play Bethune-Cookman, who stinks out loud. I don't know how Bethune-Cookman got in it. Only the top eight make it here. This tournament's played in Birmingham. Starts March 8th. Regular 18 tournament, just like the MIAC. Championship on March 11th. I mean, my when I look at this, I mean, like, you look at teams like Grambling wants to play up and down, and, you know, they can shoot the three. Their defense is really good. That's kind of what they they rest their laurels on. Their offense can struggle at times. It's not as bad as like Prairie View. Now, Prairie View is a really good defense, but they have no offense to speak of, which I think will ultimately limit them. But if I'm having, I have your same sentiment, which you have with the MIAC, this is a perfect, these two, these teams in this conference are not that far apart. Grambling was, is the highest rated team efficiently, efficiency wise, but it's a team that'll turn it over. They'll force, you know, they'll, they'll turn it over a ton. They force a ton of turnovers. They get to the line a ton. They'll foul a ton. Just high variance. They also cannot shoot free throws, which I think could end up dooming them. And if you look at who they lost to this year, you know, they lost to Southern. They lost to Prairie View. They beat Southern in overtime. But that first, you know, Grambling, if you look at the bracket, Grambling will have to play Bethune-Cookman, who they should get by, which is the, you know, if you're going to take Grambling, that's the good thing is that they should get to the semis. But then, you know, they would play Prairie View potentially in the second round who they lost to on the road by one, and then they won by four at home. That is not an easy game for them. Jackson State is playing a lot better. So I don't think it's necessarily a given that Grambling, who's the favorite, is going to get to the finals. There is no value in this Grambling number. But I'm going to take a shot in the top half of the conference. The eight seed, Texas Southern, who plays the one to start. This is a team that beat, that won at Arizona State earlier this season. They don't do anything exceptionally well, but they don't do anything exceptionally bad uh, besides shoot free throws, but that's a, a common theme. But this is a team that won the league last year with a lot of the same players. So they have experience in that regard. They've also run just really poorly. They lost to Prairie View in double overtime. They lost to Southern in overtime. They lost to Alcorn in overtime. They're right there. You know, they lost to Jackson State by two, Prairie View by four. So they lost a ton of close games, but they have a lot of experience and it's just take a shot in this conference because anything can happen here. There's going to be a ton of free throws. The officials will have a big say because of the way that these teams play. So if you're looking for a fun shot, Texas Southern at 13 to one, it's a little crazy. Um, Grambling a plus one of five is nuts. Let's see. Grambling will be just, a, it'll be like a 10. What you're getting with Grambling will be like a 10 point favorite in the first round, but Alcorn state, they're going to be like, a two and a half point favorite over Texas Southern. That's my prediction. I don't know if the line's not out. Two, two, two and a half. And Alcorn's plus 400. Texas Southern's plus 1300. So I think it's Texas Southern's look there. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to play this because I really do like Grambling, but I agree. This number is crap. <laughs> like the fact that it's even money just doesn't make any sense. So like there's got to be a different way to attack it. However, 
I think there's a lot of value in Jackson State. They do two things really well. As a combo, they do, they do this the best in the swack, which is get offensive rebounds, offensive rebounds yeah. and turn teams over. Like that combination, that's like eight or nine, you know, plus extra opportunities. Actually, probably more than that, like 12 or 13 per game. So I don't know. I just think that the fact that they're going to play in the second round means that pre-tournament, I'll take a, you know, a shot in one unit on Jackson State. But I may as well just wait for Grambling because if they end up getting Alcorn, like how much of a favorite could they possibly be in the title game? Like five points or something? So even money right now, I just I'm going to keep my money on the sideline. Although I do think they're going to win it. I just I, I want to be prudent in how I'm you know managing my money. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the swack. Crazy shit happens. Don't take a even money favorite in the swack. Um, even though they're playing Bethune-Cookman. The only team I would not take is Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman is legit a bottom 10-ish team in the country. Uh, I don't know how they got in. As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, while we're waiting for Colin, we'll do, we have some reviews. We'll do giveaways later in the week, but I did want to choose a review that is going to share in our futures portfolio with us. Let's go with uh Brit, not from Pitt. Let's get some moolah. So I found you guys on Spotify, but couldn't figure out how to leave a review there. So I came over to Apple. That's the dedication we need to leave reviews. Came over to Apple. Easy peasy. I'm honestly hoping I'll get chosen as the best five-star review. Someone new to sports betting just became legal in Ohio. I've been looking for college basketball podcasts to cover the games in a thorough but interesting way. Honestly, you guys are one of my favorites. Thanks for covering basketball the way you do. Definitely planning on listening to every show. Keep up the good work. You win for the dedication to getting out and finding a way to leave a five-star review. So, Britt, not from Pitt, you are in it with us for our futures portfolio. I have about five or six others that are we'll do for giveaways later in the week. So, keep leaving them because we'll do more giveaways throughout March. Appreciate everyone who took the time to do that. It really helps us out. All right, now joining us, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Mr. Colin Wilson. Wilson, what are you doing up? A truly wise man always has more questions than answers. Long time no talk, brother. We're going to talk some SEC. I should have called this the Homer podcast because I'm, you know, a Kentucky fan. I'm in Kentucky country. We had BJ talk about his Iowa guys. Mike talk about his St. Joe's Hawks. Now we're bringing in Colin to talk about his Arkansas 
Razorbacks. Colin, what's going on live from Vegas? I miss you, brother. I I, I am uh, putting out college football win totals. Uh, there is a shop out here that you and I are very familiar with that are putting out Heisman numbers. Uh, but we have college basketball to deal with, and I have a university I graduated from, and they just can't get it together. They can't finish games. They can't hit free throws. I think Anthony Black should be back on the point instead of Nick Smith. There's a lot going on with my team. I'm excited to talk about some SEC tournament. All right, well, let's set the stage. The tournament will obviously take place in Bridgestone Arena, Nashville, Tennessee. Starts on Wednesday, March 8th. First round matchups between South Carolina and Ole Miss and Georgia LSU. Tournament will then go through Sunday where the championship will be played on March 12th. The favorite, Alabama. Shop around here, but they're plus 150-ish. Tennessee, 3-1. to one. Kentucky around five to one, Texas A&M around five to one, Auburn and Arkansas who will play each other in the first round around 12 to one, but shop around. I saw at one shop, Auburn 22 to one, Arkansas 10 to one. If you could find Auburn 22 to one, I would take, and then you have Missouri 25 to one. And actually I wouldn't take Auburn 22 to one, but that is a pretty good price compared to the market. Missouri 25 to one, Vandy 40 to one big news. There no Liam Robbins, Mississippi State 50 to 1. Florida 100 to 1. No Colin Castleton there. So, and I should mention the top four seeds get a double buy into the quarters. That's Alabama and Missouri on the top end. No Ziegler for Tennessee also. So, a lot of injuries. Alabama got a really favorable draw on the top half with Missouri as the other seed that got a double buy. Then you have Tennessee injuries, Florida injuries. Mississippi State just can't score consistently. The bottom half is much more loaded. I think we can cross off, you know, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Georgia, and LSU. But Texas A&M, the, like, so if you look at Auburn, Arkansas, and we're going to talk your hogs in a second. And if I map out like a, a, a money line rollover for Arkansas, it'll be about, I think, around 14, 15 to 1. So if you have 12 to 1, you know, then you might get an upset. Maybe Vandy. Vandy's giving Kentucky problems even without Robbins. But I don't mind taking Arkansas here. Maybe you could talk me out of it, but – the one thing that I'm worried about for both Arkansas and Auburn is, you know, Auburn, Auburn does not match up well at Texas A&M because Auburn allows you to offensive rebound. Everything that Auburn will turn it over, their guards are too erratic away from home. So I don't trust them. And I think this is a really good spot. Like Auburn was just celebrating a win. They basically clinched their attorney spot. Arkansas, bad loss. I'm sure they'll come in here fired up. I think they're going to get Auburn in the first round. But Texas A&M, the way that they play – you know, Auburn and Arkansas will turn it over sometimes too much, and they, they make you shoot threes. And Arkansas can't shoot, so the question is, and, and we've seen our, Kentucky's very erratic. So if Arkansas can buy Texas A&M, they could beat Kentucky. Um, and Kentucky has injuries. We'll see. Each they beat each beat each other thoroughly on each other's home court. That's the game. So Arkansas, Texas A&M. Can I be, am I buying low on Arkansas, or is the offense just too broken? So you thought I was going to come in here and shit on Arkansas, but it might be the time to buy them. Colin, what are your overall thoughts, and specifically? Uh, well, we'll start on the top half, which is easy. Is, is it just Bama to the to the final? Yeah, I, you know what do you want to do? You want to do top half, bottom half? I mean, uh, well, let's start bottom half because we went there. So, like, Auburn, Arkansas. What, what do you see there? So, I mean, Arkansas is my problem with Arkansas is that they're two hundred eighty six in the free throw percentage, and all they want to do, all Must wants to do, is this model that he has is transfers, high recruits, attack the rim, attack the rim, attack the rim. I don't need three point shooters. And I don't think that that is a consistent formula to win every single – I know we've had two Elite Eights, and everybody is 
drawn into the fact that we've gotten to two lead eights. But this is not the same team that we've had last year. Yes, is it more talented? Absolutely. Do we have three lottery picks on this team? Yeah, but they're not working well together. Ever since Nick Smith came back from injury and started handling the ball, it took Anthony Black out of breaking the ball up the court and being at the top of the key. And it's been a completely different team. You got to think about the psychology. We're losing games. Muss is saying, uh, you know, I'm just trying to win a game. I don't, you know, we're trying to figure things out. And this team has been trying to figure it out all season because of the Nick Smith injury, him coming back, wanting to be a Razorback. And, you know, the, the whole thing is, is can we win the first game? Absolutely. Would we be fired up to play Kentucky again? Stuck. You know this. I mean, the Mitchell twins are throwing hands with Oscar Toshibwe. Can Arkansas win that game? Absolutely. They can win that game. But do they have the depth? to make it all the way. The, the the hardest question with Arkansas is, do they have the talent? The answer is yes. The question is when they're going to turn it on. We don't know when to buy. So I think a rolling parlay, somehow hedging your bets. I think, I guess, Auburn, absolutely. First round, give it to me. You know, you're going to give me Texas A&M. I hate the fact there's a win at home, win at home, Texas A&M. They have extreme defense, which locks Arkansas down. I think when they lost to them a couple of weeks ago on February 15th, I believe, uh, they were able to lock the perimeter down. Uh, I think the score was in the 115s, 120s. Uh, that, that is really bad. That's not what Arkansas wants to do. It's not what Musk wants to do. That's the hardest game. You get past that, you get a Kentucky team. Listen, Arkansas will be fired up for that. Do they have the depth? I'm not really sure. Mitchell Twins have to stay out of foul trouble. Devo Davis cannot be fouling out with 18 minutes left in the game. You cannot be missing 18 layups out of 20, right? Stucky, we watched a Kentucky game the other day. Arkansas has value because they screwed themselves out of that game. That's why you're going to get a better price here. I think you could hedge out of it later on in the SEC tournament, but absolutely, I think they're a first-round win. Here's a crazy thought. Why not? And I get he doesn't fit with what Musman wants to do. But if you go back to a game earlier this season, oh, credit, it was Ole Miss, but Ole Miss was in the game, was at Ole Miss. They put in Joseph Pinion, yes. the uh, Arkansas, He's a, I think he's from Arkansas. And two, three. He's the only yeah, two, three. He, he played 22 minutes, came in with a spark, hit three threes, um, and finished with 13 points. I get he can't play defense. It's not going to cover anyone in the SEC. But bring him in for some minutes, stretch out the defense. Might be a sacrifice worth making. The you know your defense suffers a little bit. Come in, make some threes. Like uh, why, why not give him a couple more minutes a game? Yeah, and, and you have to wonder if Muss is going to change his strategy for this tournament. Uh, you know, I, I know we keep on talking about Arkansas, but you need to realize that there are. Uh, we're going to talk about this. I know you're going to talk about this in March Madness. Arkansas is going to be an eight, nine seed, whatever. They're going to get matched up with a one seed. And if that one seed or, you know, whatever cannot protect the rim, Arkansas is going to be your, everybody is going to pencil the Razorbacks into the sweet 16 based on history. The fact that they attack the rim, the fact that there's, but does must change it up and say, we want to shoot threes with pinion. Can Devo Davis stay out of technical foul trouble to help out with that three point? The problem that, that that we have is that if you we want to attack the rim, Alabama is second in the nation in protecting the rim per shot quality. That is a huge issue for Arkansas winning this tournament. So do I like the number with you? Of course I do. Can this team catch on fire at any moment? Yes, they can. But can you beat an Alabama team that protects the rim at a top five rate? Mm, can you get up after beating Kentucky? Right. So there's a lot of questions with Arkansas and you have to wonder at some point, do they just show up at the tournament 
some location as you know uh, feeling like uh an eight seed nine seed we should have came into this as a two seed three seed are we pissed off in the tournament i think that's where arkansas is so i agree the number is good for them on this side of the bracket but can they make it all the way it's gonna be lightning in a bottle you know i mean it's one of those things where if they get knocked out here stuck i'll take them in the tournament they win this tournament here i'll probably get them to knock out early in the in, in the in the big dance so it's tough, it's tough with arkansas yeah, that's my that's my would be my target just for any future. I mean, so the way that I'm looking at it, cross off Georgia, cross off LSU, cross off South Carolina, cross off Ole Miss. Those teams are bad and they're not winning five games in five days. Then you go to the teams that start in the second round. Florida, no Castleton, they're done. done. Mississippi State, Mississippi State can't score enough, um, you know, to beat to win four games in four days. I don't trust their offense. Tennessee, I also don't trust their offense. And they don't have Ziegler, which I think is a big loss. He was the initiator of their offense. So cross them off. Then you have Missouri, and I don't trust them away from home. I don't trust their defense. So it looks like an easy path for Alabama. But then you also have all of this stuff looming over their heads with the investigation. And they haven't been the same team since all of that happened. It might just be a weird coincidence in timing, but they have not been the same team. I don't want anyone in that. And plus they're plus 150. I make them, a, when you consider the injuries, you know, if you go to some other sites, they're going to have Alabama at like 30, 33%. But that's that's just based on the season-long efficiency numbers. I mean, Florida is much worse now. Tennessee's worse because of injuries. So I think I have Alabama around like 40%. I, let me jump in here. I mean, do not bet on Tennessee and do not bet on Florida to win this tournament because of depth issues, because of losing your best player. And then, you know, at this top half of the bracket, no one's really pulled away. If you look at the last 30 days from the Bayesian change, like your offensive and defensive change, nobody's really had a pull away. And you say to yourself, well, Colin, I've seen you put Missouri in the app like over and over and over, but it's been a live play. And you have to look at them the last few games, <laughs> Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss. These are teams that they were down by 10. And the thing yeah, about they could have like, lost to like, yeah, they're very yeah. streaky. Yeah, I'm betting kill shots because they have 10-0 runs, but they have 10-0 runs against really bad teams. And if it, you know, if they get a big deficit against, say, Alabama, if they're down by 10, they're not coming back from that. So I fully expect – and Missouri is the only team that I would be attracted to in this side of the bracket. So I think that you have to advance Alabama all the way out of the top. Yeah, I mean, Missouri. that's crazy. Missouri is about 23-1. to 1. Here's one book. They're 23-1. to 1. The same price as Florida. I mean, this is crazy. The same price as Florida, who would have to play Mississippi State and Alabama. Missouri is a buy into the quarters. like, And they're 23 to 1. And they would play tennis, presumably Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee plays winner of South Carolina Ole Miss. Missouri won at Tennessee. Um, and Tennessee doesn't have Ziegler anymore. I mean, that's a crazy price for Missouri, but it's hard for me to see them beating Alabama. But you have that, all right, what's looming over Bama's head? So, yeah, I would agree. If you're going to look anywhere in the top half, I think it is Missouri, but I'm passing. And then looking in the bottom half, you know, Georgia and LSU, I'm crossing off. Vanderbilt, just without Liam Robbins, their ceiling is so much lower. They could still give Kentucky problems. They run really good offense. You saw them, you know, win after Robbins went down um, at Kentucky recently. Kentucky's dealing with some injuries and they're just very hit or miss. When Kentucky's good, they look really good. When they're bad, they look really bad. It's kind of play up and play down. Come on, brother. I love you. It's the SEC tournament. You know what's going to happen here. 
Kentucky. Well, they're, yeah, they're, they're going to get to the semis. But, I mean, it yeah. is in Nashville, but, and they're going to have more fans there than Vandy, which is funny. <laughs> um, so then they're going to they're gonna go in the semifinals. They're going to play – you know, Kentucky's plus 450. I don't see um, much value there either. I don't see any value at the top of the conference. And so now that brings me to that. And then Texas a and like 5-1. to one. It's problem. That's I don't see any value there, that number either. You'd get better on a money line rollover. So that brings me to that 7-10 matchup. And I have a strong opinion that Arkansas is going to win that game. Mm-hmm. And with the talent that they have, that's probably it's a, it's a tough tournament to crack. There's not, I think, don't think an obvious play, but I think it's Arkansas or nothing from a pre-tournament futures perspective. But but do you take a Texas A&M and Arkansas and then just let it ride through Kentucky? I mean, is that what you do? And then hold on because you think that they can beat Alabama. Like Arkansas could have beat Alabama. Arkansas traded wins with Texas A&M. Arkansas traded wins with Kentucky on the home floor, then lost on their home floor with one of the most ridiculous shot quality post box scores I've ever seen in my entire life. I, 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 I am, you know, I am warm to the fact that you want to come out of the bottom half of the bracket, but the problem is the history of Kentucky. The fans are, it's not going to be 50, 50. This is not a neutral site. Stop. Kentucky is always going to have the fan base when it comes to the SEC tournament. I, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, Arkansas, but this, this Arkansas team, they, they won in, in Lexington. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Convincingly. And, 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 you know, per shot quality, they should have won easily at home. But when you miss 18 to 20 layups, uh, this is what this Arkansas team is. When you put your money down, guy, I mean, for anybody listening to me and is following me in the app and, and stuck, I, I've seen you put in bets on Kentucky and Arkansas. Arkansas is a powder keg, and I don't know when it's going to go off. And maybe it just whittles and dies, and maybe the fuse never gets lit. But they, <laughs> we'll but see that's why they're a good team, especially since I like them the first one. That's why they're a good team to take longer odds on in a setting where you're just winning, you know, four games. And if you get to the championship and it is Bama, you know, you could always hedge. You're going to be able to profit there. But that's that's this might be this is a good time to take a shot. You're not, um, and I do like them in that first round matchup. So. Yeah, I agree. It's it's hot. It's hogs. It's hogs is the is the decision. Woo pig suey. Is that Kentucky and Arkansas game not going to be hot? There's going to be hand the Mitchell twins, Oscar Deshibwe. There's going to be hands thrown. Can Devo keep his cool and not get technical fouls? That is going to be a hot game. But if you can take what is it? You're seeing ten to one out there, twelve to one out there. If you can take that number into that game, that is huge value. A fifteen to one is a hundred percent a buy. I've seen some ten to one in Arkansas. Twelve to one, I still. I still like that would be my my pick in this bracket. You probably will get more on a money line rollover, assuming Bama and Kentucky do advance. Um, but you know, maybe there are some upsets, but I think that's the way to go here. Colin, it was nice catching up with you. I'll yeah. let you get back to Vegas and finding some Heisman winners and college football win totals. I'll be joining you uh for college football and getting into the grind starting in april so uh, i'm glad you got a head start to carry the podcast in its off season by the way we'll have some episodes with you me brett in the off season just kind of shooting the shit coming up here after march madness so stay tuned for that but thanks for joining me thanks to all of you for listening thanks of course to mike and bj and to our audio video teams in the back end make sure you subscribe unsubscribe subscribe tell a friend tell an enemy That'll do it for us. Make sure you check out all the rest of the conference tournament betting previews. We'll have much more later in the week. Big bets on campus live tomorrow morning with myself and the guys from Three Man Weave. Enjoy the madness. Good luck on all of your wagers. We'll catch you all later. Cheers.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.